Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagambigan Personal Organization. And today I hope you will indulge me and allow me to speak about my experience from Purim last week. Now, it's almost a week after Purim and I'm sure you're thinking to yourself like, oh my gosh, I only want to focus on Pesach. But just hear me out and see if you still feel that way towards the end. The feedback I got from last week's mini episode was really great. So I appreciate all the feedback and I hope that it gave you chizuk and inspiration and that it made you feel okay about everything that was going on in your life. Um, but I want to just explain what happened to me on Purim. Purim morning, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, and I had gone out early to hear the Megillah at our shul. The only reading was at like uh, 7.30 in the morning and uh, the other options just weren't as close. It ended up being that we ended up having a Megillah reading at our Suda, but I didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, but you know, I'm always the eager beaver when I have an opportunity to do a mitzvah. I like to do a mitzvah early, uh, you know, so that I make sure that it gets done because I don't like to procrastinate. I mean, I do like to procrastinate, but I try not to. And when I have the opportunity, uh, I I don't like to procrastinate because I don't I don't want to miss out. So let me just set the stage for you. First of all, I live on top of the Carmel Mountains. <laughs> um, it's beautiful here, and we overlook. Uh, I live in a neighborhood called Achuza, and we overlook the Mediterranean Sea. And it's gorgeous, and I love it. And on my way home from shul, from from hearing the Megillah, we walk by this overlook. I, we live very close. It's not worth it to take my car. I always walk when I go. Um, and But you have to walk by this, like, overlook, and it's gorgeous. And the thing is, is that there's no tree cover there at all. And so when you're walking by, you're like totally exposed to the sun. And I'm, I'm walking home. I was really, really tired because I had been up the night before preparing. Remember I told you I was supposed to have like 80 or 100 people coming. We, we had 80 from amazingly 12, I think, different countries. It was amazing. Um, and I'm tired, you know, because I'm working hard to get uh, get everything done the night before. And there's been a lot of things in my personal life that are really, really great, but I am really, really busy, Baruch Hashem. But it's just, it's a lot at once, preparing for so many people, plus all the great things that are happening to me. I'm not complaining. It's not a complaint. Please don't think it's a complaint for a second, but it is exhausting. And I was exhausted, especially waking up so early to after I had gone to bed so late the night before to make sure that I hear every single word of the Megillah, right? So I'm tired and I'm worn out, but I still felt like, hey, I'm winning at life, right? Today I'm hosting a Purim party and you know, normally we have 60 people, but today we'll probably have close to 100. We only ended up having uh, 80. And before I went to hear the Megillah, I did have like a few minutes to tidy up my room. And it only took me five minutes. It doesn't, it doesn't take me very long because what I noticed, well, I mean, this is true for everybody, but when I'm really stressed out, it's hard for me to be tidy. And I often 
leave things around because I'm just not emotionally available to actually put things away even though I know where everything goes. It doesn't take me a long time to do it. I just don't have the bandwidth, the physical capacity to actually put things away sometimes. And I did it though and I knew it wouldn't take me long and I just did it and I was having a lot of people and I figured someone might enter my room and I didn't want anyone to like, you know, think bad about it. So I just tidied it up. It wasn't a lot, but I really have to summon up all of my strength sometimes to get things ordered in my house. And it can be so challenging, especially when we feel overwhelmed. And like last Thursday, I just felt so overwhelmed and I asked for help and I asked for a lot of help. And this year, I asked for a lot of help with the Suda. I asked everybody to bring something plus a bottle of wine, but it still felt like a lot. And in the end, I was really expecting 100 people and only 80 came. And I had pushed myself so hard to um, be prepared for 100. And it was such a waste because, well, you'll see. On my walk home from Schulz, so like I was telling you, there's this beautiful overlook and the sun was just shining so bright. And when I was walking home, all of a sudden, I felt like relief. I felt like my back is sore and I'm tired and I have so much to do for the Su'uda and for my regular life. But all of a sudden, it just felt like Hashem was there and he was helping me and he gave me power to like power through it. And I don't really know, I don't know what happened. And, you know, even though I can't see him, I had an immense feeling of gratitude at that moment for all that I have, for for all that I don't have, happiness for the fact that I have just what I need and I felt happy that it was easy for me to tidy up. I felt like my life was moving from Balagan into Sedel, from chaos to organization, even though I had so much left to do. And the thing is, is like, I was worried. I was so worried. I was just like, oh my goodness, how am I going to prepare? And I really pushed myself to try to get in extra food and extra dishes and finally when I realized that like we're not having so much people I was able to relax and enjoy myself and I'm telling you I had an amazing amazing time it was a great great suda we have a great party and I love it um but I was just like I was so stressed out and I was like whoa I don't have to be Hashem's Hashem's taking care of it there's nothing else I could do I'm doing my part and the rest is up to Hashem and What this whole experience made me think of was that it's an appropriate um, analogy for this time of year, going from Balagan, from chaos, to seder, to order, because Purim is such like a Balagan holiday. It's such a chaotic holiday that, uh, you know, everybody's running around in their costumes, and there's Mishloch Manot to deliver packages for your friends, and there's the seuda, the feast to, to have. And it's just like, there's so much. It's like, oh, it's an overload of your sensory um, perceptions. Like everything is just on full throttle. Whereas on Pesach, when you're sitting in the seder at night, you know, it's 
orderly, the whole thing. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of preparation to Seder, to Pesach, but when you're sitting at the Seder, there's an order that we follow in the in the Haggadah, and there's just an order that we follow just Stam, and everybody's sitting there orderly at the table, and it's organized, and I don't know, it's just such a different feeling from um, Purim to Pesach, and I thought, like, it's such a good, I don't know, it just, it felt, like, appropriate to, to realize that, that this is a journey between Purim and Pesach, and that, sure, we have some Balagan, but we can get to the Seder, and while I was reading, uh, listening to the Megillah and, and reading it this year, I noticed something, I noticed a bunch of things that I had never noticed before, <laughs> but one thing that I really noticed was that the Megillah explicitly says, I mean, it doesn't say Hashem's name anywhere, but it explicitly said that the Jews did not plunder. They didn't take the physical items which they won in battle, which they were, you know, by any standard of war, they were able to take the spoils of what they they had or who of who they had defeated they would were you know by regular world standards they were able to take all the gold and the silver and whatever else was was you know there they could have taken it and they didn't take it and i was thinking about it and why why didn't they take it and What I was thinking was maybe they didn't take it because they have this sense. What what probably the reason why they didn't take it was because um, they didn't want it to be a question of who owned the actual stuff later on in 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 life, like reparations and all that kind of stuff. But what I actually think, and what or what I would like to believe, is that. It wasn't the stuff that was important. It was the freedom and the desire to live and overcome our enemies that was the important part of the story. And the stuff was just stuff and it didn't mean that much to them. I mean, in other times in Jewish history, when Jews have won wars, they have taken the spoils. But in this particular case, it wasn't didn't seem like it was about the stuff, even though Purim is a very physical holiday where we really, um, you know, we're experiencing things with all of our senses, like we're dressing up and we're giving packages, so we're running to place to from place to place and we're having a party and we're drinking and like all this kind of stuff. And it's much more physical, but I feel like, I don't know, not taking the physical items from a war is is a huge thing like why why didn't why didn't they do that and um i don't know i i don't know why it was and all, that just really st struck me so if you if you know uh great i want to know too tell me leave me a voicemail but what i realized is that i guess from overall is that hashem is totally hidden in the perm story but he shows us his will through seemingly impossible things that happen to Jews. And it's more about, you know, the coincidence, if you will. I mean, it's not a coincidence, but it's the right time and the right place. And that all of the events that happen to us are setting us up for us to be in the right place at the right time. 
And I always teach in, when I teach in my classes, I teach that it's important to change the dialogue in our head when we're decluttering and speak nicely to ourselves. It's important for us to believe in ourselves. It's important to believe in our self-worth. It's important to believe that we can overcome any issues holding us back from getting organized. And when I quit my job to become a personal organizer full-time five years ago, I right away felt like I was completing my tafkid, my my path, and my mission in life. And it was still it was real clear to me that I was on the right path. And sometimes I feel like when I'm stressed out that, you know, I'm, I might not be, or maybe I'm taking on too much or, and this whole pseudo was so stressful for me. It was so many more people than I normally had. Even having 80 is more than I normally have. Normally I only have 60. So it was really a stressful time for me and I was very like stressed out. But then I remembered like, I'm doing my best and Hashem is guiding me, and it's my tough kid, and I'm going to get to my goal. And when I talk nicely to myself and tell myself I could do this, and I've got this, and Hashem is helping me, it's a lot easier for me to get to my goals when I remember that. So um, I've actually, uh, whoops, I've actually been doing a, a Facebook series with a friend of mine, Helen Abeles, and she's great, and I love her, and she's a life coach in Beit Shemesh. And we have been doing um, some, some pre-Pesach uh, tips together about how to stay calm and cool and collected for Pesach. And one of the things that Helen teaches is deep breathing. And I'm not good at remembering to breathe. We all have to remember to breathe. I'm not so good at remembering that. But when, when I do remember to breathe, I can say to myself, ah, you know, it's okay. Hashem has got it. And I think that through this whole process between Purim and Pesach, getting us through it, it's important to remember to breathe. It's important to take time to remember we are on the path that we are supposed to be on. And if we're getting held up, it's okay. We'll get past it. Just continue doing your part. Hishtadlut, your hishtadlut. And and it will happen. Hashem will take care of the rest. Do the part that you need to do. Do it as best as you can. And Hashem will take care of the rest. And really, it was so... After I, I, I said that to myself, I'm like, no, no worries, Rebecca. Hashem is taking care of this. And it was like, wow. That's when my son started chipping in. My daughter started chipping in. My husband was working really hard. My husband always works hard, by the way. He is always so helpful. He was already working hard, but like more. It was like we were all working together to have like a great party and a great suda. And it was so rewarding. And I said to my kids, I'm like, guys, this is a lot of work. Maybe next year we won't have so many people. And they're like, no, we love it. And they love it. And they do love it. And their friends come and our friends come and everybody's happy and no one's worried. And everybody's just having a great time. And I think that that's the point is the enjoyment of it. I mean, I know a lot of people don't, a lot of ladies don't like um, Purim and um, Simchat Torah very much because we consider them more men's holidays. I have to tell you that I almost never drink alcohol. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I don't, I'd rather spend the calories on food. Uh, so I, I don't actually drink on Purim, but 
Um, it's so fun just to be with all of our friends and be relaxed and laid back. It's not the same as a regular Shabbos. And it's great on Purim because we have the music playing and, you know, all of our friends can drive to, to us, friends that we might not see on Shabbat, we can see on Purim. And it's just a totally different experience. And when I let go of the stress and the worry, I was able to enjoy all of my hard work. And I think that with Pesach too, when we can let go of the worry that comes along with cleaning and cooking and, you know, getting rid of the chametz and making sure that everybody has haircuts before Pesach and the dry cleaning's done and we all have enough clothes for eight days, I get it. It's a lot of work. It's hard. But if you pace yourself and if you believe that Hashem is working hard to help you, it'll get done. It might not be perfect. And remember what I always say, perfect is the enemy of done. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. So if you know you don't have name cards with matching napkin rings and fabulous starch napkins that are ironed and tablecloths that are ironed, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, 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 nobody's going to notice. You have to give yourself a break. If you have time to do it, call a kavod. You should do it. By all means, please do it. But if you're running short on time, set your priorities straight Figure out what's the most important thing to do. What must get done? There are things that must get done. Everything else is just a bonus. Separate the difference between a need and a want. Figure out what is absolutely necessary and what would just be icing on the cake, okay? And when you can separate those two things, I leave a section for that in my in my uh, Pesach guide if you'd like to download it from my website. And if you don't uh, go on the internet, you can feel free to email me. I'll email it to you. Um, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H at balaganbegon.com. And I will email it to you. And... Honestly, when you can separate the needs from the wants, and this is not just for Pesach cleaning. This is for every day. Separate what I need. I need to have clothes on my back. What I want is, you know, Louis Vuitton, Donna Karen, and, you know, uh, Yves Saint Laurent. Great. <laughs> uh, but will I be satisfied if it's Banana Republic? Yeah, because it's still good enough. And sometimes good enough is okay. So I hope that that gave you a little bit of chizuk, uh, support, guidance. I don't know, whatever you feel like it gave you. I hope that it benefited you in some way. Um, I want to also... Um, Elisheva sent me a text message actually asking me about... Um, perm costumes and saying, you know, can you talk about perm costumes? And I guess we didn't talk about that really before. Um, in Jerusalem, I think she's in Jerusalem. Yeah, she's in Jerusalem. There's a there's a lady, her name is uh, Netanya Carmi, and she actually runs a perm costume, Gemach, and it's really cool. Um, and she takes the donations of, uh, you know, excuse me, perm costumes, and it's great, and they get reused. Definitely, um, 
after Purim is a great time to buy a costume for next year from, from, you know, one of your friends who's getting rid of an old one or to swap with a friend. That's a great way. But a lot of people save their costumes from year to year. And it's like silly because some of them will not fit your, your child next year. And why are you saving it? Pass it along to somebody else who can use it. I know that a lot of kids use, um, do dress up during the year and that's great too. Um, I have to say my husband for the last 11 years has had the same costume. He wears it at weddings too. And I think that's great. If you know, if you're going to wear the same thing every year, great. I mean, people expect him to wear this costume every year. And I wear the same thing every year. I just have a green wig that I wear every year. And that's it. And that's what we do. And it's fine. The kids change up their costumes like every other year. Um, my daughter made her costume totally from stuff she already had. So I think that there's like an aspect to costumes that is really wasteful, but it doesn't have to be. So if you have a gemach in your area, please donate your um, costumes, your used costumes to the gemach. And if you don't, well, then maybe you should start one because, you know, zero waste is good. We don't want to waste the costumes. Um, it could be a good uh, opportunity. Uh, you can rent them or whatever. Anyway, so definitely I think um, perm costumes are, can become uh, problematic, but yeah, so... Um, all right. I have gotten, let's see what she, right. So I think to sum up, if you have a costume that will fit your child or yourself next year, you could keep it. But if you don't, out it goes. And if you can start a gamach, please, by all means do. Okay. Let me see if I can pick up, um, so one lady called me and asked me if I could give some ideas for food for a Purim Suda. So, um, I think I did mention that last week we, we served Turkey cause Achashverosh served from Hodu to Kush, um, and in Hebrew, Hodu is Turkey. Uh, the food Hodu is Turkey, but the country Hodu is India. And actually, I heard a story that Turkey is a bird that's Native American to, well, it's native to America. And uh, when I guess the explorers were going from country to country, um, the the Explorers who were in America took turkeys at that time had a different name to the country of Turkey and they became known as like chickens of Turkey and that's how they got the name turkeys even though uh, Hodu is really India. I'm not sure how in Hebrew Hodu became Turkey, but whatever. Lo, no, no, it's not that. I don't know. Anyway, so sorry if that was not that cohesive story. Anyway, um, so we serve turkey. I usually, my husband makes a lot of hamantashen and he makes vinahafuhu cookies, which are instead of regular chocolate chip cookies, he makes cho chocolate cookies with white chocolate chips and he makes regular chocolate chip cookies. 
Um, and then I make, um, instead of making chalot, well, I make chalot for my mishloach manot, but I make from my challah recipe, I just make breadsticks and everybody loves them and they're great for dipping and they're good for hamotzi, like they're full pre pieces of bread, but they take a lot less work than braiding all those challahs and then slicing the challahs and everything getting hard and stale. Um, the breadsticks, I just roll them out into long, uh, you know, uh, pieces and I bake them that way with a little egg wash. Um, I actually buy hot dogs and we make our own pigs in a blanket because they don't actually sell them in Israel. And, um, you know, with filo dough. And here, it's so cute. They're called Moshe Beteva, like Moshe in the basket instead of pigs in a, in a blanket. So it's really cute. Um, what else do I make? Oh, I make mashed sweet potatoes, which are really yummy. I like roast the sweet potatoes in coconut oil and then I mash them with a little cinnamon um, and a tiny bit of nutmeg. And then I um, toast some walnuts and put them on and it's really delicious. And then I make um, thyme roasted potatoes. So I boil potatoes and um, I then I slice them in half and I uh, saute them in olive oil with thyme and some garlic and it's really delicious. And then I make, what else do I make? Um, I usually make spiced chickpeas. I roast some chickpeas with like some spicy seasoning on them. And then I make, um, what else do I make? I don't have my list in front of me. Um, I make, I make the same thing every year. Oh, I usually make a uh, rice madhara with, it's like a turmeric uh, rice with um, lentils in it with sauteed onions. It's also really yummy. I make that for vegetarians. And and then I have asked people to bring salads and it's great and I don't make a lot of salads. Um, I do make usually one kale salad with some oranges and some pomegranate seeds. That's really yummy and like a vinaigrette dressing. And I make like a coleslaw because it's a bulky, um, it's bulky and it's good. So like it, 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 uh, not, I don't need to spend a lot of money on like a cabbage salad there. They make like a huge portion and it's good for a large group. Um, so I think that's about all that I make. I think, I don't know. I probably make something else, but now I can't remember anyway. So that's my whole story of Prim. Um, I am really excited about the, um, oh, I want to say one thing that Hannah called and told me. She said that um, she is more thoughtful about recycling around Purim and reducing and donating. And she really felt that like when you have less, uh, you have more. And she really... Um, try to consider what was in her Mishloch Manot. So that's also another thing. I know it's passed already, but did anybody else get like so much junk food in their Mishloch Manot? Why? Why do we do that? Why do we waste our money on junk food? It was just so... I mean, it's not shocking to me. Every year we get a lot of junk food. Even when we lived in America, there was just so much junk after Purim. I used to pack it up and send it to my husband's office. Why do we waste our money on this? Why are we giving it to our kids? I mean, it's one thing to have like special items, but I think the mitzvah is really to give people food that they would eat at Esuda. So why are we 
giving Oreos and chocolates. I mean, I don't know. I can't figure it out. If someone has a good explanation for me, if we would just give fewer Mishloche Manot and, you know, <laughs> we could afford to make it a little bit healthier and a little less fancy and it would still be quite as lovely. I mean, I give usually a fruit, a challah, and a bottle of wine and like some hamantashen that my husband makes. That's it. Next year I'll probably skip out on the hamantashen, but I also don't give to people who are affiliated really in any way. So um, I think for them it's probably the only time they're reading, really eating ozne haman, you know, haman's ears here. Um, actually, I want to say this. We had a we had for the first time someone from Amsterdam at our table and he brought a dessert that they eat in Amsterdam on Purim. They don't make hamantashen, ozne haman. They make these like kichels with sugar on top of them and they were so delicious. Um, and he made like, I don't know, and they have some weird name that I couldn't say. It's not a weird name. I just couldn't say it because it's Dutch. And they were so delicious. And it was so interesting to me. Different countries really have different um, customs when it comes to, you know, holiday food. And to me, that's so, so, so interesting. So um, if you have any like special Pesach foods that you eat, leave me a voicemail because I would like to know about it. I would like to talk about it. It's not really strictly organization, but I find it really interesting. <laughs> um, I, I was once interviewed by um, Yael Trush. She has a podcast called Jewish Latin Princess, and it's a great podcast, and I highly, highly recommend it. And every week, Yael does this thing on her podcast where she does trivia. And at the end of the podcast, she asks whoever she's interviewing these questions. And she says, one of the questions is, um, what is something like, what is the thing that you wish you had known growing up about Judaism? And when she asked me that question, I said, I wish that I had known that Jews come from all sorts of places because that is so interesting to me, the difference that we all have. I mean, um, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, and basically all of my friends were the same color as me with the same Eastern European background as me, and everybody sort of looked like me, and we all looked similar, and there wasn't really anybody different. And when I moved to New York... I started meeting more and more people that were different, but still they sort of look like me. And now that I live in Israel, I mean, I know people from so many different countries. I mean, at our Suda, we had someone, um, I'll tell you the Anglo countries. First, we have America, Canada, England. Okay, those are normal. South Africa and Zimbabwe. It was amazing, Zimbabwe, right? And then from like Europe, we have people from, uh, from non-English speaking countries. We had France, we had Italy, we had um, Holland, you know, Amsterdam. Um, we had the Ukraine, we had Romania, we had Germany, we had uh, Israel, of course. And we had, uh, I don't know, I think there was one more that we had. And it's like, it's just, I actually have a friend from India now too. And like, it's so interesting to me that 
Over all the years and all the miles that everybody has separated, we still have so many similar customs, but also that our customs have varied and differentiated. And it's so interesting and cool. And I think this is like such an amazing thing about Purim is that, I mean, Ahasuerus had a very, very big kingdom. And it's amazing to me just over all of that vastness of space and time, we have managed to sort of have these similar and different traditions and that we have, you know, it's just, it's just really amazing, amazing, amazing to me. And um, I love to hear about those kind of things. And maybe that's why I love having such a big perm suit because I love seeing the different kind of people who are coming into my house. And I think that's actually one of my favorite things about living in Israel, seeing all sorts of different types of Jews. And it's really special and it's really amazing. And yeah, so I'm going to make a huge plug for making Aliyah right now. <laughs> make Aliyah. Uh, it's awesome here in Israel. I love it so much. Um, and I really do. I really do love living here. Um, Tov. So... Um, I know that this week wasn't so much about organization, but I really, really wanted everybody to sort of feel like, I want you to understand that I, first of all, am not perfect. I'm not even such a, I'm not disorganized, but organization for me is a struggle. It really is. I have learned tips and tricks to overcome my shortcomings, but it takes a lot of effort for me to get over my shortcomings and, and I work hard at it. And I want to share what I've learned with you. Um, it's taken me 20 years almost to learn all this stuff. When I was a child, I definitely wasn't organized. It was a constant refrain from my mother to clean my room. I remember when my grandmother, she used to spend... Um, she lived in Buffalo, and she used to come to us for about six months during the year, and she would spend half the time that she was in Silver Spring with, at my house, at my parents' house, and half the time with my aunt and uncle who lived a few miles away. And But I would see her a lot, and she would, when she was sleeping in our house, she would always walk by my room, and she would look at my room and say to me, you know, you didn't make your bed. And... Like, I don't like getting into a made bed. I like clean sheet day, but in general, I don't I, I don't care if my bed is made or not. And I actually, in the wintertime, hate getting into my made bed because it's freezing, especially here in Israel. Um, and so I have had to fight, like, myself a lot to overcome my uh, bad habits. And I think that there's definitely a difference between being, like, slobbish and being disorganized because just because you don't care if things are put away doesn't mean that things aren't actually organized like I know where everything goes right <laughs> I guess this is the constant refrain of the person who's not organized I know where it all goes I know where it all is yeah but nobody else knows where it is so I had to always fight that aspect in myself and I still have to fight it in myself and I told you that at the very beginning I had to fight these tendencies that I have to 
not clean up after myself. And it's hard and it's really hard. And so I think that a lot of ladies call me up expecting that I will tell them that it's not hard or that it's easy, but it's it's not easy to have self-discipline in an area that's hard for you. It's just not. If you have no desire to to eat sweets, it's not hard for you to not eat sweets, right? But if you are naturally inclined to, you know, not want to clean up after yourself, it's hard to overcome that. Like really, really hard. So I want to just say, I guess, to wrap up is that it is my job to tell you that it isn't easy. It does take effort. This is not a silver bullet. What I, when, I, when I'm speaking to you, so many of you call me up and tell me, thank you so much. You've inspired me so much. And I'm so appreciative of those phone calls, by the way. Thank you so much. And please keep calling me. But so many of you call me and tell me that. And the thing is, is that for every one of you who calls me and tells me that I'm so inspiring, I know that there's two of you who are struggling so much to stay organized. And I know your struggle. I understand your struggle. Being organized is hard and it takes effort and it takes effort to follow through and it takes effort to clean up. And I want to tell you that the thing that has helped me more than anything in this whole journey that I've been taking for more than 20 years is what I finally realized the key five years ago was that when you have less, you have more. Because when there's less to take care of, it's much easier to fight the inclination to be a slob. When there's less books, when there's less toys, when there's less clothing, that means first of all, you spend less time tidying up less time worrying about those objects, less time caring about those things. It just makes everything so much better. So I hope that on the way to Pesach, you will consider how having less will make your life so much better. And I hope that you will take to heart that if you're struggling, you're not alone. I, I do understand your struggle. I'm definitely not perfect. It's hard for me sometimes too. But just remember, Hashem is the one keeping you organized. Okay? Hashem is keeping you organized. Do your part. Do what you can. And let Hashem take care of the rest. So repeat to yourself your mantra. Hashem keeps me organized. Hashem keeps me organized. Hashem keeps me organized eventually you will believe it. <laughs> um, I wish you all happy organizing and I look forward to speaking to you all next week.